Okay, this is the third installment of the Pesach podcast. We're finally there. We're at the Seder. Here are some of the questions that have been posed. Go ahead. What are the basic requirements? How do I involve my children and myself at the same time? Those are two separate questions. And what am I trying to accomplish? That's the third. Okay, so basic requirements of the Seder, we'll get to that. How do I involve my kids and myself at the same time? I don't know. Do you have a good answer for that? I'll get to it. Okay. And what are we trying to accomplish? So um, let me start with the last question first. And I'll start here. Question is, what are we trying to accomplish? And this little podcast is going to contain a lot of details, as they all do. A lot of halakhic details in the process. But before we get there, I want to tell you about an amazing account uh, that I heard from Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. He uh, retold in a recent shir that he heard one of the last speeches given by Rebellious Sve. Rebellious Sve was the Koresh Yeshiva of the Philadelphia Yeshiva, along with Yerod Lachaim Rev Shmuel Kamenetsky. And Rev Sve, in his speech, he talked about his own experiences, his personal experiences, with Rev Isra Zalman Meltzer, who was one of the great Gadolin of the previous generation. Uh, he was a very prominent Rosh Yeshiva and Talmud Chacham in Europe. He was a Rav of uh, he was a Talmud Chacham in Slutsk, and um, at the time, there, there's a story told about him that he actually was never fully ordained as a rabbi. He never intended to be a professional rabbi. Um, Is that a profession? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and uh, there, was a, there was like a dispute going on in the community, and they asked him to be the arbiter. And he said, I don't even, I don't even have a smicha. So he wrote to his rabbi who were you know, Rabbi Chaim Brisker and Rabbi HaSholchan, and he asked them for a smicha, basically. And the Rabbi HaSholchan wrote a, a long letter, a flowery letter, uh, giving him his smicha, and Rabbi Chaim Brisker just wrote back four words, Yora, Yora, Yadin, Yadin, which, um, which is a reference to the, that's what smicha is. Th- those words represent, Yora, Yora is one type level of smicha, Yadin, Yadin is a, Another uh, higher level of smicha, that's all he had to say. Um, and that, <laughs> it just gives you a little glimpse as to who he was, Rav al Um He was a Tamar Chacham, and just massive Torah knowledge. And Rav Sve, in his, in his last uh, shir, talked about what he gained from Rav al Meltzer. And what he said was that the most impactful thing that I got from Rav al Meltzer was when I spent this Seder with him. And what, what was that? You would think it would be some incredible novel insight. Uh, and he said, no, it was when Rav Zalman got up from the Seder and said, ah, Baruch Hashem, I was Zoha, I married it to have another Seder. That was it. That depiction was the most impactful thing that he got from the great Rav Zalman Meltzer. So I think that's a wonderful place to start because there are going to be lots of details. Um, but the real impact comes from moments like that, attitudes like that, expressions like that. Um, but we have to have the details because that's the, the Seder means order. There's a certain order to it uh, that leads us to that type of feeling, that type of conclusion. Um, so I think a lot of times when we um, address um, events or um, you know, major points throughout the year, um, sometimes we expect there to be an answer as to what's going to make this great or like a, you know, a foundation 
or some kind of incredible insight as to you know how do I get my kids involved and how do I how do I how do my I myself feel passionate about this particular thing and um, I think generally this is true but right now I'll just speak about the Seder I don't think that there's one thing that is going to make your children excited I don't think there's one thing that you can do to make yourself excited or whatever it is it's an overall approach to the importance and the excitement of the night and um, you know everyone has to decide what works for them personally and for their families in terms of what will make my kids into it and you know your children better than anyone else and you know yourself better than anyone else so what are the things that will make me excited and obviously we have to fulfill the details which my husband will um detail in a moment but again it's about that kind of like overall approach and overall feeling and they're not being one particular point that's going to make or break anything it's not going to be one thing there's no um, there's no secret that you're missing out on. They're like, oh, why don't my kids like the Seder? Because you didn't you never heard this. So there's no this. Um, for every family, it's different. For every person, it's different. And even for every person, there's not one thing. Um, there are all different types of things that could work for you, that could make it exciting. It's really kind of like an overall approach, an overall attitude that will make the difference more than anything else. And I guess we'll get back to that attitude at the end. Okay, so let's dive into some of the details. Again, the details are important. It's kind of like learning how to drive. <laughs> really? Yes. I was really bad at learning how to drive. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's why you brought that up. It's, it's like an ongoing process. Oh. <laughs> so the... Um, Do you know that people stop me sometimes and tell me that I'm a really good driver? Just saying. They're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, so that when, when you're learning how to drive, you first have to know like how to do every little thing how do you click the gear in the right spot and how do you adjust the mirror and how are you supposed to position your hands and there's all those things that you learn learned in order to pass the driver's ed class and then promptly forgot but but those are necessary steps you have to know how things go and and uh how to signal for safety and where to put in the gas and all these little things now once you're settled and you know how to operate a car you don't have to think about those details anymore even though it's precisely those details that are the underpinnings, that's or the, the hidden things that get you to where you're going. And keep you safe. Right. So, okay, so let's go through those things. And these are not just things, these are details, these are lachos, each one is precious and important. So step one, we set the table. We set the table lavishly. This is a time of year to go all out. Uh, the early commentaries refer to the maharil, was one of the uh, towering sources of Ashkenazi halacha and minhag, cited by the Rama all over the place. The Maharil was a moneylender. He had collateral that he collected, um, including some from, from non-Jewish customers. And it says that the Maharil used, the Maharil used to use, a, uh, um, would use those fancy ornamental items on his, on his, uh, in, his, on his, uh, in his Seder. It actually led, led, leads to a discussion in Chosh Mishpat as to what you can use collateral for and how much it's yours and not. But that's, that's one uh, historical account. Um, there's another, you know, fast forward many, 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 many years to just, you know, a couple of generations ago. And the great Briska Ravi, so Zev Soloveitchik, uh, who was not involved in like the mundane world at all, would apparently take the longest time setting up his own Seder table. 
he gave it a halachic category. He said it's part of the haseba. Haseba is the reclining that we do at the seder, that we act physically in a way that demonstrates freedom. This is part of it. Setting up a table is, is part of it. So we set it up beautifully as best we can, especially th- this year it's going to be hard because it's on, it's on uh, Matzi Shabbos and we have limited time to set it up, but we do the best we can. Okay, that's setting up the table. Next we have, I'm not going to go through all the steps of the Seder. I'm just going to go through the steps that usually um, get the most questions and need uh, better clarity. So we have the four cups of wine, the Dalit Kosos. This is a mitzvah derabanan. It's best to use red wine. Um, if you have white wine, which is better, that's okay too. Um, a question I get all the time. Can you water down the wine? One cup, okay. Two cups, maybe. <laughs> Other one, but if I don't get to water it down, I'm not going to make it to three and four. <laughs> so how does that work? So the answer is yes. You Technically, you can water down your wine. It's not really clear how much because you have to know what the water content is. It has to be the proper ratio. There's already, in many wines, there's already a lot of liquid sugar, which counts towards water content. But the point is you can water it down a bit, but the best way to do it is to water it down with grape juice. That's totally fine. Um, many posts can hold, you can just use grape juice. You can uh, just initially decide to use grape juice without a problem. But Moshe Feinstein held that wine should be used because wine has that taste of freedom, uh, that like alcoholic bite to it that that is... Uh, part of the um, nature of wine, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, therefore, the best option is to use grape juice, but to pour in enough wine that you can still taste it a little bit. Um, if you make that sort of concoction, then that really covers all bases and it works really, really well. That's what we do. Um, okay, so that's what type of wine to use. Now, how much... Does the cup have to hold? How much do I have to drink? So the answer is that the cup should hold a revis. A revis is somewhere between three and four fluid ounces. And so that's how much the cup should hold. Um, how much do you have to drink? So it's, it's best to drink most of that cup, more than 50%. So therefore, your best option is to take actually the smallest cup. As long as the cup still holds like three or four ounces, Drink most of that cup, and you've really covered your bases as to the best way to go about this special mitzvah. At the very least, you should drink most of a revius, which is only two to three fluid ounces. So that should be doable for just about everyone. Um, we drink while reclining. Okay, that's all about the wine. Any, any questions? No. Okay, so we'll keep going. Carpas. Uh, you can use any vegetable you... Actually, let's go back to the wine for a second. Okay. So anyone who has trouble drinking wine or for some reason it's like a health issue... Use grape juice. Grape juice is totally fine. Yes. Okay, great. Um, okay, now back to carpas. Any vegetable is fine. Your family uses potatoes and yours uses celery. You know, if you Google carpas... Yes. Google Translate, you know what it says? Parsley. It says parsley or celery. Really? That's what mm-hmm. Google says. So if you want to pass in like her Google, you can use one of those two <laughs> things. Anything is fine. Um, any hadama is fine. No one here is advocating paskening like Rabbi Google ever, just in case that was unclear. <laughs> Next, we have Magid. Magid is a very special mitzvah. It's a mitzvah, the Arisa from the Torah. It's different than their daily mitzvah um, to recall Yitzhak Mitzrayim, because this is one that's done in a more elaborate fashion, this question and answer it should be more engaging. It should have a story to it. Um, 
So we have to elaborate. We have to try to help things come to life as best as possible. And to that end, by the way, you know, we have this great podcast, the Haggadah Highlights, oh. that, uh, that tries to give a little bit of color, color to um, the Seder. So. so basically all these podcasts are here just to plug your other classes. Right. It's all just self-promotion. Okay, great. Okay. So uh, Magid, very important. It includes everybody. It includes men, women, children. We tell the story of Itzias Mitzrayim and try to imagine ourselves there in whatever capacity. Um, now, another question I get a lot. Uh, you have women who are trying to balance everything, trying to make sure everything runs smoothly. Uh, they're head, headed into the, the kitchen to you know, make sure everything is, is properly heating up and they're taking care of the kids and they're amazing. But sometimes going in and out, or if a husband goes in and out, you, know, you might miss part of the, uh, the Seder. So what are the essential parts that you have to make sure you're there for? So again, really just being there for the flow of the story is important. Try to keep, try to keep track of it as much, best as possible. But what the post can say is that there are three basic parts that are the most important. Number one, the answer to the questions posed at Manishtana. That's one part. The other part is the retelling of the Eser Makos, the ten makos, ten makos, makos, ten. Wow. <laughs> so there, there's that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We could, we really need to like figure out why, why these are the most important parts. We're not going to do that here. Just tell you what they are. And the third one is Rabban Gamliel Omer, uh, which is Rabban Gamliel taught us that we have to talk about the matzah and the mar. Pesach matzah. Pesach matzah mar. Yeah. If you don't say those three things, you're not yotze. Um, that's, that was his statement, and therefore that's a, that's a very important part of the Seder until you drink the final cup after the after Magid, the second cup. Okay, that's Magid. Any, any questions? Um, not questions, but um, I think that one thing that um, changed my understanding of an experience of the Seder was um, in terms of like what you're trying to achieve and... Um, Kind of like what to focus on is that the as you pointed out the story and um, the fact that there should be a feeling of you know the way the Haggadah says it that you should feel as if you yourself came out of Mitzrayim and the way that some other people speak about it a feeling of Hakar Satov toward Hashem and that feeling comes from the story and the details and not necessarily um, pill pull you know kind of like taking apart and asking very intricate, divrei Torah about words, etc. Although those things are beautiful as well, um, we don't want to lose the story and the feeling and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did all these nisim for us and he took us out of Mitzrayim and what um, kind of like the, the, the overall feeling and, and progression of the story is a special and important thing to keep in mind. Excellent, yeah. Um, okay, so now we're finished with Magid. And again, I'm not going in order, but the other thing that often gets asked about is how to, how to do the whole matzah thing. So the matzah thing, by the way, is a mitzvah de Raisa. It's, it's a beautiful, you know, once a year, twice a year mitzvah. Um, so you make a motzi on all three, drop the bottom one and make an achilas matzah. Um, how much? How much do we have to eat? So the first night, we have to eat a bit more. The second night, only the leader has to have more at this juncture in the in the seder. So Can you define more? Uh, kind of. <laughs> um, 
So on the first night and the leader on the second night, you have like a little less than half of a matzah. Of a, what kind of matzah? Of a, of a hand, uh, one of those round matzahs. Standard size. Yeah, yeah, standard size hand matzah. It's, it's really an inexact thing. There are a lot of different measurements out there. Um, this is just very, very, very general. Um, on the second night and at Korech later on in the Seder, a little less than third, a third of one of those matzahs is probably enough. But matzahs vary, and uh, it's good to just double-check that. I can't really give very specific shirin because it really depends on the matzahs. Uh, if you have a machine matzah, then the general est- estimate is about two-thirds of a whole matzah. That's the larger amount. Um, or on the second night, it's about half. The leader of the Seder has to have a bit more because he's eating both a kazayas for hamotzi and a kazayas for achilas matzah. But that's a little bit beyond the scope of this, uh, this quick podcast. If there are further questions, please uh, contact me. Um, what we've done recently, which with a, lot, with a lot of success, is to measure and weigh things ahead of time so that you're not stuck there trying to figure out how much you have to hand out to each person. Create little bags ahead of time. Then you just add a little bit of the matzah that you break uh, to each person's bag. Uh, it really helps a lot in uh, having the Seder run smoothly and to ensure that everyone gets the proper amount. Um, okay, maror can be lettuce or horseradish, whatever your, you know, whatever, whatever your particular choice or minhag is, is fine. How much do we have to eat? So, one good size leaf of romaine lettuce. What's a good size leaf? Uh, I think they give an estimate of, you know, it's close to the size of a paper. It's like 8 by 10 or something like that. Wow, that's a big leaf of lettuce. It's pretty, it is pretty big. That's according to the Kol Dodi Haggadah which was written by Rav David Feinstein Zatzal. And he said that if you're having the stalks, which is thicker, then you only need, you need a smaller amount, about three by five. Uh, if you're using crane, using horseradish, uh, then about one shot glass is what you need to use for maror. Okay. Grated, not solid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Again, I know these are very general estimates, but just giving an idea. Um, okay, what else? Uh, another question I always get is, Oops, I made, you know, roasted chicken or something for the Seder. Should I have it? Should I not have it? So if you've already, if you've already done it, so we could talk about that. But we don't, we try not to have roast. We shouldn't have roast on Seder night because uh, of the time when the only roast that we had was the Karban Pesach. And that time should be coming back again soon. Mitzvah Hashem. Amen. Um, even pot roast is something that we stay away from, but roasted fish is fine. Okay, so that's, those are the basic halachic pointers. That's the gas in the tank. That's the turn signal, which is uh, 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 flicked in the right direction. And hopefully with these basic steps and guidance, we can uh, arrive at the destination um, properly. Okay, so with regard to all the details, first of all, just having them together and to go smoothly really makes it a more pleasant experience for everybody. Um, and also, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, you really know what it is that excites you and excites your children. And it really does not have to be something so earth shattering. So, um, you know, even just the simple yet, of course, um, deep um, advice of Chazal to give out what at that time was a treat, which was a nut. But I guess you have to know your children and know if that's a treat for them at this point. Um, 
throughout the Seder, when they ask questions, etc., when they participate, um, is, is a great incentive. And it's not just about the treats. It shows your children that this is a special night. And if it's only adults, or even if you're by yourself, um, giving yourself some kind of special out of the ordinary something over the course of, you know, over the course of the night or in select spots, obviously for adults, it's a little more complicated halakhically when you're allowed to eat and when you're not, but um, makes a very big difference in terms of your approach to the Seder. And um, also just in terms of attitude. Um, this is a very special night. It comes only once or twice a year, depending on where you live. And um, that attitude really affects even you yourself. Meaning like, it's a special night. It's not a night to be gotten through. It's a night to be gained from. Now, there are so many um, descriptions in not only with the great works of Hasidus, but also the great works of Musar in terms of what can be gained by a per- um, what what can be gained by a person over the course of the Seder night, and there's just a, there's a, there's so much there, and there's so much to be enjoyed, and there's so much to be um, there's so much to be gleaned that when we have that attitude, it affects those around us, and it affects us ourselves. That if we think that okay, fine, I just can't wait till this over, make sure that everything goes smoothly, or if we think that um, well, you know, how much can I how can I make this the most enjoyable and the most meaningful? Um, that is an attitude that affects us and absolutely rubs off on our children. You know, our children specifically, the Seder night is probably their favorite, if not one of their favorite nights of the year. And sometimes when people ask me, like, well, what do you do? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> not that I don't do anything. I do. I make a big deal out of it and we give out candy and we get very into it. But it's really just, I think, our attitude. There's not one specific insight or some kind of foundational idea that we keep a secret that we're not telling you. It's really very simple, which is that we enjoy it, we give that impression over to our children, and we do small things like, you know, give out candy for a question, or just make sure that the overall atmosphere is extremely positive, and it pays off, really does. Yeah, Uh, so I'm gonna leave you with um, one final, actually not a thought, but a piece of homework. (laughs) to take the podcast with you. So when you're done with this, um, if you're not driving, go straight to um, Google and search for, I don't know how else to find this, but just search for Rabbi Lapiansky Pesach Letter. I think it's called uh, Passing the Legacy. And it is a must read. It's not very long, but it really is an incredible account, an incredible um, piece of writing about what we are doing on the Leila Seder. I was actually going to read it to you. Should I? I should? Just read the, the, the best part then. Uh, I can't read the part at the end without crying, so I'm not going to read the part at the end. Try. But no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, uh, I'll give you a couple, a couple of, uh, just a teaser paragraph here. So this is a, a letter that, an open letter that he writes, I don't know if it's literally to his children, but a, the idea is a father to a son about the importance and what we're, what we're doing on the Leila Seder. And uh, he starts like this. He says that, uh, you know, it's, it's been just a little mathematical calculation. It's been 3,300 years since we received uh, freedom in Egypt. If we imagine the average age of a child to be about 25 years, uh, years of age, there are four generations in each century. 
That means there's a total of 132 people stretching from our forefathers in Egypt to us today. 132 people had to pass on this heritage flawlessly with a devotion and single-mindedness that could not falter. Who were those 133 fathers of mine? One had been in the Nazi death camps. One had been whipped unconscious by Cossacks. One had, had children stolen by the Tsar. And one who was a laughingstock of his enlightened brethren. One lived in a basement in Warsaw, with many days passing with no food to his mouth. And the other ran a stupendous mansion in, in France. One had been burned at the stake for refusing to believe in the divinity of the flesh and blood. And one had been frozen to death in Siberia for continuing to believe in the divinity of the eternal God. And this description, description goes on. 132 fathers, each with his own story, each with his own test of faith, and each with one overriding and burning desire that this legacy be passed unscathed to me. And one request of me that I pass this on to you, my sweet child. What is this treasure that they have given their lives for? What is in this precious packet that 132 generations have given up everything for? It is a great secret that man is capable of being a lot more than an intelligent primate, that the truth of an almighty God does not depend on public approval, and no matter how many people jeer at you, truth never changes, that the quality of life is not measured by goods, but by the good, that one can be powerfully hungry and yet one can forego eating if it is not kosher. That a petty that is not mine is not mine, no matter the temptation or rationalization. That family bonding is a lot more than birthday parties. It is a commitment of loyalty that does not buckle in a moment of craving or lust, and so much more. This is our precious secret, and it is our charge to live it and to become a shining display of this is what it means to live with God. 132 people have sat Seder night after Seder night, year after year, and with every fiber of their heart and soul, have made sure that this treasure would become mine and yours. I think it's important to point out that as links in a chain, it doesn't have to be specifically from parent to child, that there are links in this chain that themselves never had children themselves to pass this on to. Chazanish never had children. Rav Israel Orbach after him never had children. There are lots of people that have been links in this chain that have not had the privilege in this world of giving it over to a specific child. The idea is that the Seder night is a time when this all began when the affirmation that we live for something bigger and can live for something bigger, that's when it started. And every year we have the opportunity to reaffirm that and to make that a reality that continues. And every human being in every circumstance, it doesn't matter who you are or what your circumstances are, has the ability to do that every single year.